Welcome to the Life Church. We are so excited that you've tuned into our program to listen to a wonderful message. On behalf of Pastor Walt Landers, our senior pastor, we just want to say thank you. Our mission here at the Life Church is to connect people with God's purpose. If you don't already have a church home, we want to invite you to join us at 3301 TLC Way. Now let's prepare our hearts to receive a word from God through this morning's message. You know, this, this morning, I, I uh, you know, a couple of weeks back, I, I taught on spiritual warfare, uh, Pastor Daniel on, on the presence of God, and, and I just, I, I felt like that, that um, there's some other things as far as prayer and some things were, were um, you know, and we're doing standalone, so we're not doing series, but, but I, I still sense where the Lord is tracking and, and doing some things, and I really felt like that I needed to me- bring a message on faith. And, um, and then, I, you know, I've, I've also recognized that, that there is some things going on right now, some real tension in the body of Christ. And, um, and, I, and I've seen this throughout the years, you know, different things will cycle, and, you know, there's nothing new under heaven. And throughout, throughout history, throughout church history, throughout further back, you know, there, there's, you know religion has sometimes been uh, sometimes fought over and, and uh, greater wars than, than anything else. And, uh, but, but this morning, I, I really I, I felt like that this message is, is uh, very founded in an area of, of, um, of being able to kind of look at it from a perspective of our foundation. Because what I found is that um, that the the greatest attack I believe is for the for the enemy and for even for those that are in opposition against the truths that we do believe and hold hold dear and true um, as Christians is the attack on the Word of God. They they got to they got to destroy it. They got to tear it down. They got to try and pick it apart. They got to try and and and. And, uh, and, and I've read some of the different things from these guys. And let me say, uh, listen, there is some, the digital world is amazing. It is, it is great that we have access literally on all our devices and we can, we can pull down so much and have so much interaction and, and all those kinds of things. But here's also the reality. The enemy is at work. Amen? I mean, he's going to use it too. And what, what, I, what I felt that, that uh, I need to make sure of is that we just kind of revisit some of this and make sure that the foundation, because here's the thing, if you can't believe and trust in the Word of God, what are you going to believe and trust in? If, if there's not something central to our faith and our core values, what can you believe in and trust in? And, and so, um, and, and just talking about the Bible, though, and I'm not going to go into a whole teaching on that. I really want to get to this message on, on faith. But, but to lay the foundation in this, um, to, to have a good, proper theological interpretation of the Bible, you need to understand some things. And I've shared a little bit about this in the past. But, but just to reemphasize, the Bible is about covenants. So this relationship with God there are these covenants. You had the Adamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Adamic covenant, the Davidic covenant. There, there are these covenants. You get over here into the new covenant. And in that, there is this, a lot of times there's common threads of truth that run all the way through them. But there are things that sometimes change within those covenants that are made or updated between God and man. And you have to understand those dispensations of time and how the Bible is written, because the Bible is, is rich with history and with, with 
psalms and you know poetry and and um, um, prophecy. There, there, there's so much that makes up the Word of God, the, the truths of God. You realize that even our branches of government for the USA is, is, is formed out of that. It is from the Bible on how we are even structured. There is so much influence here. And if we, if we allow somehow those to come along and try to discredit the Word of God and get us to not trust, and a lot of times they're like, well, you just can't believe that. You know, that, that, that gospel and that book, it really shouldn't have got in there. It just made it by mistake. And it's like you get all this stuff going on. Well, what can you trust in? And here's the other aspect of that. Sometimes the Bible is not written in chronological order with, with all of it. And so it's okay to understand that when you get to the book of Job and you start reading the book, a lot of you said thought it was the book of Job, but maybe God was telling you, go get a job. But it, <laughs> Come on, let's lighten up a little. And, and, but the book of Job was actually written in, in the historical time frame when it was in the age of conscience under the Adamic covenant. And so if you, if it, it, sometimes an interesting read is a chronological Bible that actually just puts it based on dates in a, in a proper order. But, but because here's the thing, sometimes there are prophecies that are spoken that may be specific to that time. They may be prophecies that have already been fulfilled within a certain time. They may be prophecies that are still to come to pass. And, and somebody that doesn't understand hermeneutics, the proper interpretation, and, and a lot of it, think about grammar. You know, you, with, with grammar, you, you have rules in grammar on how to properly interpret things. Same way in the Bible. You've got to understand that. And so that you don't try and take this piece out and try to make it for a different dispensation of that. So... How can you really trust? I mean, when you and, and if I had time, I would go through a lot of detail. But I thought this morning just to take prophecy alone to just talk about that because here's the reality: the other books of religion that are out there, including the Quran, there is no prophecy in those books. Nowhere, they're making no predictions. They don't want to get out there because why? Because even within that religion, if you do and, and it doesn't come to pass, then you're a false prophet, right? And, and cannot, cannot be believed at all. So here's the, here's the thing. The Bible is the only one that is filled with prophecies that is forecasting and predicting things many times, hundreds if not thousands of years ahead of time. Did you know the Bible, there's, there's actually, they've, they've already found that over 2,000 prophecies have already come to pass. 2,000. There's over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled just concerning Jesus in his life, his, his birth, his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. Over 300. Well, why is that significant? Come on, how many of you ever played the lottery? Don't raise your hand. Somebody might think you sinner. How many realize how hard it is to win the lottery? Well, let me tell you. Let, let's, let's break it down. Like I said, over 300 just for the life of Jesus. If, if you just took eight prophecies to be fulfilled, here's the mathematical probability of that coming to pass. For just eight. Just eight. It would be 
a one with 17 zeros behind that. How many say that's a lot of zeros? I don't know what that number is, but that's a big number, right? For just eight prophecies to come to pass, it's one to the 17th power, basically. Now, here's the thing. What does that look like? Let me, let me try and bring it down. A, a mathematician kind of did the math on this, and here's what he came up with. It would be equivalent to the whole state of Texas. Come on, how many of you realize Texas is big, right? <laughs> Taking the whole state of Texas, covering the whole ground on the state of Texas, two feet deep in silver dollars, and one silver dollar out of the whole state of Texas has been colored two feet deep, and they put you in an airplane, take you up with a parachute, kick you out somewhere over the state of Texas, and you float down, you hit the ground, and you reach down and pull out the one silver dollar that is colored. That's the mathematical probability of eight of those prophecies coming to pass. I think you can pretty well put your, bank your life on it. That the word of God is true. That it is the inspired word of the living God. Amen? And, and people get all confused and they try to manipulate it and they try to say, well, you know, with, with, if, if, if the word is the word is the word, it's all about Jesus, you know, it's just the Christ. And, and so they go to the original language and they say, well, it's all logos. But it's not, it's not all logos. There are three different Greek words, even for the word, word, you have the graphe, which is the written word of God. You have the rhema, which is the spoken word of God. Then you have the logos, which is the living Word of God, where we know that Jesus became that. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Drop down to verse 12. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What happened? The Word became flesh, the Logos. And ultimately, that's God's desire. But here's the thing. So any person that's just reading the Bible to read the Bible, they may not even believe in the Bible. You know, I'd heard of a, a Bible school some years ago. They had, they had this guy, and I, and I, I verified it. I checked it out. They had this guy teaching at a very well-known Bible school, and he's an atheist. He doesn't even believe. And, and they're like, they're like I, I asked, well, why would they do that? And they said, well, because he knows the Bible. He don't know the Bible. He doesn't know the author. To know the real Bible, you've got to know the author of the Bible. This is the way this works. Because ultimately, as you read your Bible... The rhema needs to happen. The Holy Spirit needs to be able to bring Scripture alive to us. The, it's called illuminate, and, and it comes alive, and all of a sudden you're reading something that has deep meaning. It's not just some principle. It's truth. So that like for me, in my bedroom, not at church, but in my bedroom, I'm crying out to God. I have been on a journey seeking, pursuing, repenting, Asking, and, and finally, in this place of desperation, saying, God, whatever I have to do. I mean, I'm thinking I've got to go do something. And all of a sudden, I look down at John 14, 6, where Jesus is speaking. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. 
He doesn't just have truth. He doesn't just offer a way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And in that moment, I prayed the most simplistic prayer, and I was born again, transformed, translated from darkness to light. It's, it wasn't behavior modification. It was an inward transformation. And listen, if we don't hold to this truth, then we'll, we'll see, what we'll see is a whole bunch more of works-oriented stuff and doing, you got to do this and you got to And all of a sudden, it's, it's all about behavior modification rather than bringing us into a place of true life transformation. Amen? And you still have to believe to get in on it. That's the reality. The Bible is true. Let's look at this. I got to hurry. Buckle up. <laughs> we got to go fast now. Look at this. It, here in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who, who believes. Who believes. Same word as the word faith. Same root. It says, For the Jew first... And also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Old Testament and New Testament, this phrase is repeated. The just must live by faith. Now, we can use faith, you know, as a noun, as, as different passages of Scripture in the Bible does refer to faith in that way. We're part of the household of faith. It's part of the family of God. In other words, this is my family of faith. My family of faith. We're Christians. We're Christ followers. And so, yes, it does refer in that kind of way. But most of the time, when you read about faith... It is a corresponding action to the Word of God. It's a verb. It's not passive. It's engaged. If you believe, you're a believer. The Bible's clear. He, he, the, you know, the Bible clearly distinguishes between unbelieving and believing. The Bible clearly distinguishes between the righteous and the unrighteous, between those who are even wicked. The Bible separates all that. And we need to, we need to have that at, a, at part of our core beliefs because otherwise, why on earth would we even share our faith? Why would we even attempt to see somebody else come to Christ? Well, we just want them to have a better life. Well, that's pretty self-serving. And why would people be martyred for their faith throughout history? Why would God even allow that if it was just to have a better life? See, see some have reduced Christianity to this place of, well, these are just good principles to live by. No, this is about a relationship with our Father. And the only way we get in on it is through the covenant of Christ that he was willing to go to the cross, shed his blood. And here's the reality even of that. We were saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. 
See, there's all kinds of confusion in it. So, because otherwise you'll read passages and you'll think, well, they contradict each other. No, they don't. They blend if you understand it. You, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are born of his spirit. Your spirit man gets born again, saved. Then Paul goes on to say that we should work out our salvation. I thought we didn't work this thing out. I thought we were just saved. No, <laughs> we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Well, what's happening here? Well, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Come on, how many of you realize the Bible so many times will speak in terms, God is a God of faith. He'll speak in terms, it says that God calls things that are not as though they are. He'll speak in terms where it's as if it's finished, like we have been seated in heavenly places. How many of you feel like you're still walking among some real turkeys? It ain't quite too heavenly yet, right? <laughs> it, you know, Colossians says, we have the mind of Christ. How many of you woke up this morning going, mm, not so much? <laughs> huh? Why, there's still, there's still a process working. That's why Romans 12 says we've got to renew our mind. There, we're, come on, we're still in process. Come on, just, just look at somebody and say, God's not finished yet. <laughs> Some of you are going, boy, ain't that the truth. <laughs> come on, no elbowing, husbands, wives. Keep looking here. So for us, we need to understand, we need to access by faith. The just are going to live by faith in our believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished, what he has done. So here's, here, let me break this down real quick. Let me give these to you. Number one, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Romans 10, verse 17 it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that is the rhema. That's not the logos. There are some that are out there trying to teach this from a place, and they're twisting it, that, oh, it's all Christ. You know, everybody's saved. They just don't know they're saved. How many of you working with somebody and you're going, they ain't saved? <laughs> and they don't want to be saved. <laughs> So here's what happens is, just like for me, I heard God brought that word alive to me, and it produces faith within me where now I'm able, because I heard the rhema of God, the spoken word of God, it's to me, it's personal, I'm able to release my faith. That's the hearing of the gospel that is power. And there may be someone here today, and you're hearing it for the first time like I heard it. Now, had I been around the Bible, associated with the Bible, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we, we had all that going, but somehow I had never heard through the ear of faith the rhema of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So if you know something to be God's will in the Scripture, you can pray with great confidence knowing this is God's will. That he's willing that none perish, but all would come to repentance. We know that is the will of God. Now, will everybody do that? No. That's not the case. But God's heart is for that. 
God has done all that he can in his power to do that. But now as free moral agents, we have to make that choice. We have to make that decision and choose to put faith and belief in what he has done. That finished work. Number two, faith is measurable and should be developed or increased. Luke chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. It says, And the apostles uh, said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be plucked into the sea, and it would obey you. Here's, here's where this came from. And I, I, I can totally identify, and a whole lot more of you are going to go, oh, yeah. Right before this, from verse 1 to verse 5, what Jesus is teaching about is about offenses and forgiveness. Like, offenses are going to come. They're going to happen. But he's saying, you've got you to guard your heart. You, don't get caught in that. You need to walk in forgiveness. And he goes into talking about, you know, that if your brother sins against you and he keeps coming back, and he keeps sinning against you, but he keeps coming back. Now, there is a condition on that. He keeps coming back over and over asking you to forgive him again. He says, you've got to forgive him. And the disciples are like, increase our faith. Come on, how many of you ever felt like God said, forgive, and you're going, mm, not so much. Lord, I'm just not feeling it. I'm feeling something else. <laughs> and he's saying, forgive, right? Well, even, even the apostles are here, and they're going, oh, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> it was off of this area of forgiveness. These were just common, ordinary men. I mean, sometimes we read the Bible as if they're some kind of superhero or super anointing or something. No, they struggle just like struggle. Jesus is saying, you got to forgive. Even if they do it over and over again? Yeah, even if they do it over and over again. Lord, increase our faith. And then he goes right into saying, listen, if you have faith as a mustard seed, See, so many times we jump to this other parable that talks about the mustard seed being the smallest seed that grows into the greatest tree, and then we communicate that as, listen, for anything you want, all you have to do is have a mustard seed faith. <clears throat> Wrong. You're taking two scriptures completely different, and they're out of context. What's he saying? Listen, I, I've been to Israel. I have seen the mustard seed. We had this tour guide. She pulled us over on, on the bus on the side of the road. She stepped out. She grabbed this little bitty, little bitty, you know, capsule-looking thing off of this plant and, and uh, off this tree that's there. And, and, and she said, she said, I want to show you something. And she went, pow. And it was like dust. Just poof. She said, that's mustard seed. Like, it looked like dirt to me. I mean, it just poof. Dust. They're that tiny. Well, what's the principle? As a mustard seed, because here's the other thing that, that, that they said. 
I said, mustard seed, you know, for those of you ranchers that have been out in West Texas, probably can relate to it from bitterweed. That's why oil field trucks, you wash bitterweed. You get, why? Because bitterweed, it's like if it gets going, you can't kill that stuff. Right? Mustard seed, they say you can put a mustard seed, put it in a little box, nail it on top of a fence post, leave it 20 years, take it out, drop it in the ground, and poof, up comes mustard seed. And you can't kill it. <laughs> can't be stopped. Oh, some of us need some mustard seed. We need to develop. We need to grow our faith. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's usually by resistance. What? Yeah. Come on. How many of you work out at all? Yeah, I'll put the rest of us to shame. I work out. <laughs> I'm on a seafood diet. I see it and I eat it. <laughs> I like Wayne doing keto. You know, he looks good, doesn't he? You know what? If you're going to work out, you have resistance to build those muscles. The, the, the things many times that we are facing in life, some of the struggles, the tribulation, the persecution, the, all those things, God promises, Romans chapter 8, 28, that he will work all those things for, for our good if we love God and we're called according to his purpose. So again, we can, we can be off course and... Some of that stupidity is our own problem. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm just talking about if you're serving Jesus, you're going in the right direction, and you're facing opposition, and there's some things going on, James says that's a testing of your faith because it produces something. You can build even in some of that resistance. And the last one is this. Faith has spiritual laws that govern its operation. James 1, 5 through 8 speaks of this. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in what? Faith. Who with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man, that person, suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Someone may be going, well, that's a little harsh. Here's the reality. God loves us. He's willing to give us truth. And as your pastor, I love you. I'm willing to give you truth, even if it hurts a little. Even if this is a message that sometimes, you know, that we have that, that challenges us, that is a little hard on our flesh. Come on, let's be, let's be real. Usually that's what it does. It, 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 if, we, if we're going, well, ouch. If any ouch is involved, how many admit it's probably an ouch it's on our, it's because it's hard on our flesh? We're not aligned to the Word of God. We're off course in somewhere, some area. But that's why we've we got to make sure that there's, that, and understand there's spiritual laws that govern it. Paul wrote in Galatians, said that faith has to work by love. 
See, offenses and unforgiveness will short-circuit faith. You go back to Mark chapter 11, when he's teaching about faith, and he starts driving home this old aspect of forgiveness again. Why? Because it'll short-circuit your faith. Now listen. God's for us, not against us. And if we're willing, see, repentance to me, you know, it, it, it talks about it initially being a change of thought. But that change of thought is deep enough of thought, if you really study that out, that it creates a change of direction. To whatever degree that our life sometimes drifts off course or gets out over here and it shouldn't be over there, it ought to be right in here. And all you got to do is go back to the Bible. Go back to the Word of God. And if we'll pull back in on that, in our alignment, listen, I believe that's where the grace of God is. And God's not looking to reject anybody. If your life is completely way off, your first move back towards God, you're going to open a flood of grace. Why? Because grace is His empowerment, His unmerited favor. He's, he's going to usher you right back into the presence of God. But are you willing to make that shift and make that turn? Repent and say, God, I want to live for you. Because see, there's a hurting world out there. They're looking for somebody to represent Jesus. And it's that job's ours. As Christ followers, that job is ours. What are we willing to do? To be Jesus in our sphere of influence. And it's going to come in different ways. And it may be a standard bearer. <laughs> I was visiting with someone that, that had worked for us in our, in our school side and around our employees. And, and, and they were like, man, everybody's just so Christian. It's just so awesome. And where I'm working now, <laughs> it's just not there. They had a better job, more pay, but you, they were missing the environment. And then they made the comment. <laughs> they probably knew where I was going. And before I could say it, they said, I guess I'm supposed to be that light there. Like, yeah, that's right. Because they knew that it was a call of God and they obeyed. If that environment's not like that around your work and your environment, be the light. Be the love of Christ. Be the difference maker there. Amen? Let's stand to our feet this morning. There's some different aspects that may have really touched your life. And we've got this opportunity. We're going to, our worship team's going to come. We're going to sing this last song. And we're going to worship God together. And it's going to give us a place of response. Because I believe that coming to church is not about just coming and hearing. It's about coming to receive. And then so many times there's a response that God is looking for us to, to respond in. What are we willing to respond? What, did, what was really standing out to you? I mean, I never even said it, but the Holy Spirit was just like nailing you. Come on, I know what that feeling's like. <laughs> 
And if you'll respond to that, the love and the grace of God is going to, I mean, be invading your world. Some of you may need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to give you that opportunity. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes just for a moment. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, whether it's for the first time or to rededicate your life, I, w- I want to just see your hand. I'm going to pray for you and lead you in a, in a prayer. We're not going to embarrass you. Anybody here and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, hands are going up. Any others? Yes, more hands. Other hands? Yes, quite a few hands now. A lot of hands are here this morning. Listen, the Bible's clear that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. If I just want the, the honor to be able to lead you in this prayer, but I can't pray this for you. I can't do this for you. This is this got to be personal but between you and God, between you and Jesus becoming your Lord and Savior. I can't step in that place. You can't ride on somebody else's faith. You, you've got you to release your faith. But I believe you've heard the gospel this morning, and you've got the faith to release to make that a reality in your life. And if you'll pray this and mean this with all your heart, you're going to see God do something special right here today. Because the Bible says you'll clearly, you'll be born again. You'll be translated from darkness to light. Listen, it's not about behavior modification. It's about an inward transformation. And you're going to begin this journey. I want everyone to pray this out loud as well. We're going to help these that may be praying this for the first time. So just pray after me. Just repeat after me, but mean this from your heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price, the penalty for my sin. Forgive me of my sins. I receive this gift. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Take full control of my life and help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for those decisions this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's program at the Life Church. Our prayer is that you've been blessed by this morning's message and that God would continue to speak into your heart throughout the week. We are so excited about what God is doing right here at the Life Church as we connect people with God's purpose. Again, if you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us for a visit at 3301 TLC Way. We have two Sunday morning services for you to choose from, 9.15 and 11 a.m. Again, our prayer is that you've been blessed and we hope you have a great week.